You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush. And I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey in the house. How you doing, my man? Yo, yo, yo. Corey is in the building, ready to talk some sports with my man, Kush. And man, got a lot to get into. So much to talk about. NBA free agency, the draft, MLB. Like, man, there's a lot going on right now in the world of sports. Yeah, there is. So sit back, strap in, because this is going to be a long one, and we're not even going to do on the stair or anything. We're going to jump right into it. Let's start off with the latest news, and that is NBA free agency. We can go over what uh, each team has been doing so far in free agency. We're still a moratorium. We're not even into when the league (laughs) starts, when players can actually sign. And there's still a good amount of people that are still on the market. So if your team hasn't done anything, be patient. Be patient. But let's start into it. We're going to go alphabetical order. Let's, so let's start off with the Atlanta Hawks. Their big, big thing was Trey Young re-signing him to a five-year, $207 million deal, rightfully deserved. And then uh, John Collins, they have extension talks with him, uh, hovering around the five-year, $125 million um, talk. So we'll see what happens with John Collins. But I think they're kind of playing the waiting game because I feel like a lot of – teams have already spent a good amount of money and they know John Collins isn't getting that money anywhere else. So if any, cause he's an unrestricted or he's a restricted free agent, so they can match whatever, but I don't think anybody's giving him anything better. So that's why they can kind of lowball him in a way or for what he wants. Yeah. I agree with you on that because uh, sometimes it's just the market kind of plays out. And like you said, not too many teams right now able to spend that type of money on a player like John Collins, who to his rest- to his credit, has had a solid uh, career with Atlanta and has really made a name for himself uh, as he's, you know, developed. And just this past season, I think, was, like, a really good showing for him and the Atlanta Hawks as a whole. That was kind of like their coming out party, and everybody kind of had to take notice because nobody expected them to get as far as they did. So the fact that they were, you know, just a couple of plays away and maybe you know things would have gone their way maybe they ended up going to the final shock the world but yeah i still stand by my pascal siakam trade i think the Hawks should really try to go after pascal siakam i think that's someone who could fit perfectly with that team but and with everything that's happened as far as like with toronto you know obviously deciding to get uh, Scotty Barnes, which we'll get into a little bit later. Um, I think that would be a trade that Toronto would actually listen to, to be honest with you. Possibly. Let's move on. We got the Boston Celtics. Haven't made any free agency moves yet, but they got the Josh Richardson trade, which is their big thing. They traded Moses Brown, who they got uh, from the Thunder for Campbell Walker, and they got Josh Richardson, used that Gordon Hayward um, trade exception of theirs to get him a nice little – three and D player didn't have a good year last year, but I could definitely see him bounce back. Cause uh, he was a stud in, uh, in Miami. Yeah. He was a big time uh, role player. Um, I just think that 
uh, he's kind of up and down. Like, if anything, he kind of more so reminds me of a uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope a little bit of how like he can be a little better good. defensively. Yeah, yeah, he can be good defensively sometimes, and then he he can just have like you know games where he just doesn't show up offensively. So I can kind of see that for Josh Richardson in the same token, but I just think that. For the Celtics, uh, I, I didn't really expect them to have, like, the biggest of all seasons. And I think that their focus is going to just be to try and figure out where they are as a franchise, especially with Brad Stevens, you know, now taking the, you know, role as the new, uh, you know, president. So I think that they just kind of need to figure things out uh, and kind of just take it by ear. And maybe next offseason, that's when they start to make some big moves because I think Celtics fans are waiting for some big-time moves to happen, and they've been waiting for a long, long time. Next up, we got the Brooklyn Nets. A big a kind of surprise signing was Patty Mills. Two years, $12 million. That second year is a player option. Then they got James Johnson and uh, got back Blake Griffin, both on one-year deals. So nice signings for them. Patty Mills, I think a veteran guy coming off the bench would definitely help that team. Yeah, especially, you know, with the injury history of Kyrie, you never know if that guy is going to be, you know, fully healthy throughout the course of the season. But having a guy like Patty Mills, who for the most part is going to be able to produce solid, good numbers, going to come off the bench, great role player, veteran guy, not going to cause you any issues in the locker room, just going to play his part and going to, you know, play his role. And a Popovich disciple coming from that Spurs unit so i mean patty mills is definitely a guy who is very underrated in his abilities and capabilities and just seeing what he's did with australia and with the olympics and even just the exhibition games definitely a player that the brooklyn nets are happy to have on their payroll yep we're gonna see him uh patty mills and kevin durant facing off in the semifinals. so teammates already going at it in the olympics so that's gonna be fun uh, Charlotte Hornets haven't done a lot of uh, haven't made a lot of noise. I think the only thing they've done is sign Ish Smith, um, but other than that, really nothing. Chicago Bulls, one of the bigger teams, splurging this offseason. First, they started off with a bang with getting Lonzo Ball in a signing trade, four years, eighty-five million dollars, and uh, they traded away Thomas Sadaransky, uh, Garrett Temple, a future second-round pick. So that was big for them. And then they come back and they get DeMar DeRozan in another sign and trade three years, $85 million. And they traded away Thaddeus Young, a future first rounder and two future second rounders. And then surprised everyone and got Alex Caruso four years, $37 million. So they were open up the checkbooks and they splurged. And I, I personally love these signings. And I think that the bulls could be a team to reckon with especially the fact when you look at uh, they didn't really give up much in order to get the players that they wanted to get it was with biggest thing was that first round pick. If exactly, anything, exactly. But they didn't like lose anything. Like they still got marketing. They still got Kobe white. And I think if the season goes on, you know, if they want to deal off either one of those guys, I think it would probably more so be marketing then they can find a market for him and be able to get something back, maybe some more shooting because, or some more defense, just because I think on the perimeter they're they got Lonzo ball, who is going to be a solid defensive uh, player for you. 
But outside of that, really, I think that they're going to have some real issues as far as defensive-wise on the perimeter. But I think if they can get, you know, maybe somebody else in that can help them along with that, that would be big time for them because Chicago's really looking like they're trying to make it to the playoffs this year and maybe even have an Atlanta Hawks surprise-type season this year because they're looking like they're trying to really do something. I think they're trying to rely on Patrick Williams taking that next step defensively, which would be huge for them. But in my opinion, I think these signings are more firepower uh, based just because I think four out of five of those guys in that starting lineup, you look at Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Tamar DeRozan, and Vucevic. Those are guys that can give you 20 points a game possibly. So I think given with the Brooklyn Nets, they, they, they're just trying to go punch for punch, mano y mano, basically. Moving on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, big signing. They got Jared Allen for five years, $100 million. Uh, We'll go over their draft pick. They got Evan Mobley. So nice one-two punch down low. Maybe they're thinking a little uh, Duncan and Robinson. I don't know if that's (laughs) what they're thinking about. But, yeah, I wouldn't expect this team to be done yet because there has been rumors about Colin Sexton maybe on the move, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So what are your thoughts on the Cavs? Uh, I – was kind of surprised about how much they were willing to offer him. But at the same time, I mean, Hey, Jared Allen is one of the few big men that still is able to play traditional big man basketball, which is inside game, get rebounds, block shots, be a rim protector. And really when you look at his presence being lost for the Brooklyn Nets, the team that he was on this past season before he got traded, they really kind of lost that defensive interior force that they had with him. And he kind of flourished with Cleveland and the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers were able to commit so much money to him. I mean, he was able to go from being a role player to now making a hundred million dollars over five years. I'm like, yo, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good, even trade off if you're Jerry Allen, because you thinking like, man, I'm about to get a ring about to be with the Brooklyn Nets. Then it's like, dang, I get sent to Cleveland, but Hey, making a hundred million over five years. I'll take that. Cool. Absolutely. Again, that uh, Rudy Gobert treatment, a little mini Rudy Gobert treatment is what I like to call it. And he's now one of the top paid big men in the NBA now. I think he's like one one of the top five paid. uh, Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. 20 mil a year. That's a lot of money for a big man who cannot shoot. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, we got the Dallas Mavericks bringing back their lethal weapon in Tim Hardaway Jr. Four years, $74 million. And then they uh, signed Reggie Bullock, three years, $30.5 million. I like that Reggie Bullock signing. A little, little, little expensive, but, I mean, get shooters around Luka. And that's also why they brought Tim Hardaway Jr. in case Luka's getting doubled. Tim Hardaway proved against the Clippers in the playoffs back-to-back years that, he, you know, he can turn up in the playoffs and help Luka out. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, especially with them, you know, um, losing out on with their coach and going to have to, you know, maybe even play a different system and try to figure things out uh, with the new coach coming in. I think that that is a big time for them to get familiarity still with Luca and not have to have him play with a new coach and new players and, you know, totally different, you know, whole new setup. But I think bringing back Tim Hardaway is a great thing. Reggie Bullock's an awesome thing. Maybe, like you said, a little bit of an overpay with the Reggie Bullock signing. But I think the big thing is, is that Dallas is going to have to figure out how can they get guys surrounding their star player. Otherwise, they might be in a tough situation because Luka is not going to be like Dirk Nowitzki. I think he is not. He doesn't have that personality of just willing to take a pay cut or just willing to do whatever it takes to help the team. This dude is looking to get his and he knows he's a star, and he wants to let his star shine as big as possible. 
Yep, absolutely. Moving on, get Denver Nuggets, getting Jeff Green, stealing him from the Nets, two years, $10 million. And then they got Jamichael Green, two years, $17 million. And then re-signed Will Barton, two years, $32 million. I like these signings, especially the Jeff Green signing, uh, trying to you know get that power forward who can defend and do a little bit of everything. But a little head scratcher for me, in my opinion, with the Will Barton getting 16 mil a year. I don't know. It's kind of kind of iffy for me. But yeah. I mean, he he is that solid piece off the bench that I think they value highly. Yeah, I think it's just because of familiarity. He's been in their system for so long. And I think that, you know, they didn't want to really take a chance in getting an outside presence and bringing somebody from the outside in. So just decided to keep with what they already had. And I think bringing in the Jeff Green signing in the you know, and getting a Jermichael Green on board as well. I think that that's just their way of, again, they're trying to figure out a, some type of way to replace Jeremy Grant because we saw that they try to do it with Aaron Gordon and they're trying to still figure it out. And obviously they had the injury issues, but I think that they need to lock that player down in that uh, power forward position down because I think that it was the difference from them getting bounced in four against the Suns and then making it to the Western Conference uh, finals uh, a couple seasons ago. Moving on, we got the Detroit Pistons. They got Kelly Olynyk, three years, $37 million. And they brought back Corey Joseph, two years, $10 million. Nothing crazy over here. Just Kelly Olynyk, I guess, get another shooter for Cade Cunningham, which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah, Cade, welcome to the NBA, where you're going to play alongside Kelly Olynyk and Corey Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we got the Golden State Warriors brought Otto Porter Jr. in on a one-year deal. A guy who went from a max contract to a veteran minimum. Kind of crazy. I think maybe <laughs> he can. I still like Otto Porter. I didn't like I didn't like Otto Porter at all because of that contract. But now that he's on a veteran minimum, I think that's an absolute steal because I think Otto Porter still has gas left in the tank. Uh, and he can amount. light it up. And he can yeah, still light it up from three. Good amount. And then you had the big, big, big signing of Steph Curry. Four years. 215 million dollars the only player in nba history to get two 200 million dollar contracts he is making that moolah and rightfully so i was looking at the breakdown of his average salaries and in that last year that fourth year he's gonna be making damn near 60 million dollars so <laughs> only time will tell to see if that bites the warriors in the butt or you know if uh steph curry will play out this contract we'll see what the deal is I think the interesting thing for the Warriors is going to be what they decide to do with the supporting cast around Curry, because we know obviously still got clay coming off the injury. We don't know what he's going to look like. They got Draymond in there rumors that they might be trying to flip him for somebody, maybe try to, you know, there's been rumors about Ben Simmons and all these different types of players that they've been thinking could maybe be similar to Draymond, but they could flip him for because Draymond is not the same Draymond from 2016, 2015. He's definitely not the same sort of player, more of a, you know, I would say pass first is only pass player on the offensive end, not looking for any sort of offense or not looking to score at all. And I think that sometimes kind of is to the Warriors detriment that he's always looking to just play make and not even trying to create any sort of attacking force or anything or even shooting or anything like that. It's completely just gone to a playmaker. So I think the Warriors this season, this is going to be a key season for them because it's been a couple seasons since they were in the mix as far as contending. And I think that with this commitment to Curry, it shows that they want to commit to him. 
But, you know, when you get paid like that, get a bag like that, it also hurts your salary cap. So on the same token, get your money, Steph. But <laughs> you can't be looking around the NBA <laughs> and wondering, like, damn, we went from <laughs> being in the finals to now we just trying to make the playoffs. <laughs> Only time will tell. Houston Rockets, they got Daniel Thice, four years, $36 million. I think their big highlight was the draft, which we'll get into in a bit. But Daniel Thice, another uh, big man who can stretch the floor, protect the rim, pretty much. Then we got the Indiana Pacers, TJ McConnell signing a four-year, $35.2 million deal. TJ McConnell seems like a very vital player to this team coming off the bench and just – Swiper. I mean, I know we give that name to De'Aaron Fox, but we might have to give it to TJ McConnell with just how <laughs> sneaky he is stealing the ball on inbounds and everything. And he definitely helps them. Uh, so we'll see, because if they're really trying to be a pay- playoff team, I think TJ McConnell's definitely a key player. Shout out to those guys like TJ McConnell, like uh, Matthew Delvadova, those scrappy guys that might not be the best athletically, might not be the most flashy, but just do their role and play their job. And they're most, they're the most savvy veteran guys in the locker room because they know when I give some PT, I got to make the most of it. Yeah. And hey, now he's getting $35 million. So I'm like, hey, go ahead. Next up, we have the LA Clippers. The big thing was Kawhi declining his player option. He is now a free agent. And then uh, getting Nicholas Batum for a two-year deal. Let's talk a little bit about Kawhi Leonard because I had a listener hit me up and wanted to hear our opinions about Kawhi Leonard because he hit me up and he said, Kawhi is gone. Where is he going? (laughs) And I just had to laugh at it because I was like, damn, he's gone just like that, huh? (laughs) But um. Yeah, so let's talk about it a little bit. In my opinion, I think Kawhi is going to be either signing a one-one deal, mm-hmm. probably around the range of seventy to eighty million dollars, um, with that second year being a player option, just so he has that other year as a Clipper under the belt, so he could sign the supermax next year uh, if he decides to come back for five years, two hundred thirty million, whatever it is going to be for him. Um, but that's that's my whole thing, and I know a lot of. Clipper fans and NBA fans are kind of like getting getting impatient just because if they see all these signings, they see what the Lakers have done, and they're just like, oh my God, what's going on with Kawhi? But we saw Kawhi two years ago. He waited till the last minute to a point where we were believing people without check marks on <laughs> Twitter saying that Kawhi is a lock to go to the Lakers. But so I, I just think Kawhi is going to wait till the last minute. I believe he's going to sign a one and one with the player option with the Clippers uh, while he's rehabbing this year. I honestly think Kawhi could even make an appearance this year if the Clippers are playing well sometime around mm. All-Star break. After All-Star break, um, I think that's a possibility for him if he decides to do so. What are your thoughts? So with Kawhi Leonard, I think what everybody needs to understand about Kawhi is this man will ride his own wave. He's very – he reminds me of, like, the same way that, you know, people get on Kyrie Irving or KD – these guys who don't, you know, fit the mold of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, do whatever the crowd tells me or, you know, follow along with what everybody else is doing or do the most popular thing, you know, especially with Kyrie uh, and Kawhi. I think those guys get demonized sometimes, especially by NBA fans and the media, just because they don't 
you know, co-sign literally everything that goes along with uh, the, the the narratives or the beliefs that everybody in the NBA or surround or that follows the NBA believes. And to their credit, I think that, you know, establishing your own brand and establishing yourself and, you know, making a name for yourself in the NBA is something that is very difficult to do. And for anybody who looks at Kawhi as somebody who is just selfish or this and that, I'm like, bro, at the end of the day, you only get a certain amount of time to be a professional athlete. So if you think it's selfish for him to preserve his body like he did in San Antonio, or you think it's selfish for him to decline his player option in order to figure out the best deal for his situation, then I mean, hey, if if we if the roles were reversed and everybody else had the same you know freedom to be able to be in Kawhi's shoes, y'all would be doing the same exact thing. So I'm like, it's easy to be able to point at and say that oh he should be doing this, this, that, and the third when you're not in that position and you've never been in that position to where you can negotiate a multi-million dollar deal for yourself. So I think that Kawhi is in the driver's seat on whatever he wants to do, which is a great thing to have that uh, ability to dictate what you want to do as a player, as, as a, uh, as an individual with your, your livelihood, with your career. It's an awesome thing to do, especially after what happened to him last season with the whole uh, injury that you know i didn't even realize was that serious until all of a sudden they're saying he's out of the playoffs so that's just how hush hush's camp is exactly so i mean that you will only hear from Kawhi or about Kawhi when the information is with accurate information i should say you will only hear accurate information from about Kawhi when he wants it to be out and or when he's uh, when his camp wants it to be out so i just think that uh whenever that happens I think that whether he decides that he wants to, you know, do a one year or whether he decides that he wants to do a long-term deal, I think he's not going to fully commit to a long-term deal. Like you said, Kush, I think he's just going to sign a one and one. And I think he's going to take his you know, money for this season and then try to figure out what he wants to do next season, whether it's, you know, take that super max or decide to pack his bags and go somewhere else, which at this rate, we really don't know, but I think he's more slowly at this rate. I was, I would, I would lean more towards him staying, but it's all dependent on what he sees as appropriate for him. Cause I'll say this. I mean, on one end, there's a lot of controversy about Kawhi because of this whole uh, speculation that came out about the whole, the whole thing with Westbrook, which we'll also, we'll talk about Westbrook in a second, but Apparently, Russell Westbrook wanted to team up with Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi was like, nah, I'm good. I want to team up with, Kawhi, with uh, Paul George. And so people were saying that that was almost, like, disrespectful in a way. But I'm like, look at Russell Westbrook pairing up with star players in the NBA and tell me if it's been a success or if it's been a failure. It's, you know, to me, it's been subpar. KD didn't win a ring. With James Harden, didn't win a ring. With, uh, you know, so, like, every destination he's been at, has not ended up with championship success. He's had individual success, but I think that Kawhi, you know, noticed that, look, I want to play with PG, and I think he made the better decision in the player that he chose. That's just my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, only time will tell. I think, um, yeah, we can't it, – it, it's tough to try to predict with Kawhi Leonard, and it's been like that. We should all know that by now, but – my prediction would be he's staying with the Clippers. Obviously, you guys are going to be like, oh, yeah, of course, Chris is going to say that. But I really think so. It's, it's a legitimate uh, thing. 
Because, I mean, you look at the landscape of the NBA right now, and as far as teams that he could potentially sign to, like, he would have to take a pay cut, a drastic pay cut. And is that something that he's really willing to do at this point in time? And we all know, look, money isn't everything. Happiness is the main thing. But I think it's just difficult for me to see him wanting to leave in the sense because he's based in L.A., his family's in L.A., he and, bought a house in Palos uh, Verdes, and, and he so, bought a penthouse in downtown LA, I believe, too. So exactly. So I mean, like, it's not to say that he can't leave, but at the same token, I'm just like, if he decided to leave, where where would he want to go that would still feel like home and still feel like a welcoming environment for him? So that's my only thing. Right. Let's move on to the crosstown rivals, the Los Angeles Lakers, probably outside of the Bulls, the biggest, biggest team that's making a lot of moves. Let's start off with the biggest one, and that is the Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, Westbrook and two second round picks were traded to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and the Lakers 22nd draft pick. Uh, so, I mean, that was a big trade, shocked the NBA. Because I know they were talking about Buddy Heald possibly. And then once free agents started moratorium, they went out and got Malik Monk for a year. They got Carmelo Anthony for one year. They got Trevor Ariza for one year. They brought back Dwight Howard for one year. Uh, They got Kendrick Nunn to sign with them two years, $10 million with the second year being a player option. They got Wayne Ellington for one year, re-signed Taylor Horton Tucker for three years, $32 million, and then got Camp Bazemore for one year as well too they had for the when i say one year that means the contract uh hasn't been or like the details haven't been explained yet so i'm assuming they're going to be veteran minimums that's what I'm, I'm i'm assuming but yeah the lakers went out and they caused havoc in free agency first let's talk about the westbrook trade what are your thoughts on it um on one token i see why they did the trade but uh, because you look at it from a value perspective on what Westbrook is going to replace in the players that you're giving up in Montrez, Harold, KCP, and Kuzma, Westbrook himself averages about the same amount of production as all three of those players. So that's one thing. On the other thing also is that you got a 37-year-old LeBron James, you got Mr. Glass, Anthony Davis, who you can't really heavily rely on whether or not he's going to be in the lineup or whether or not he's going to be able to constantly be uh, himself and play. So you bring in Westbrook, who, for the most part, outside of that one Patrick Beverly uh, incident, has been healthy his entire career. And he's going to play almost every game. He's going to play hard 100%. He's going to go 1,000 miles per hour, and he's going to give you his all, and he's going to try to average a triple-double every single game. The problem, though, comes with this is that you could have given up what you gave up to get Westbrook to get Buddy Heald, who, yes, Westbrook is the better player. But as far as fit, though, does he fit in with LeBron? Does he fit in with AD? It doesn't really make any sense from that perspective because Buddy Heald would have been a guy who you could just stick in the corner and could just knock down shots. Or he could be a guy who could be on the perimeter when LeBron goes out of the game and can also be able to, you know, uh get to the rim and be able to score and be able to do his own thing because that's what he's capable of doing. And then you look at the fact that the only real way that I think that this could honestly work is if they 
get Westbrook to buy in and to have to fix his game or or somehow be able to make his game plausible and, and fit with LeBron and AD because there's no way that this is going to work unless Westbrook decides that he is going to be able to adjust his game. If he comes in and still does the same sort of style of play, I, I'm skeptical of this is going to end up with championship success. And it's not to say that it can't because LeBron is a, you know, big time player. AD is a big time player, but committing $120 million to this trio and very fortunate that the Lakers were able to get what they were able to get as far as in the free agent market. But LA is an attractive area. You're always going to be able to get players. That's, that's obvious, but can my thing is that the Lakers didn't need to panic and just go ahead and just kill their whole roster after one unfortunate bad season in which you already knew injuries played a part. So if the injury bug wasn't there, who's to say that the Lakers weren't in the finals or even lifting another uh, NBA title. So that's my whole situation that the Lakers just seemed like they kind of panicked and just decided to make this trade for Westbrook and try to, to shake things up when they didn't really need to. Well, Westbrook, I remember I came on this podcast and I said that that third player needs to be a guy who has had number one experience. When I said right. talked about Kyle Lowry, when I talked about, I can't even remember who I talked about. I talked about other point guards. Derrick Rose was one of them mm-hmm. that I talked about as well. So I think Westbrook is a great, great trade for them. But I am right on board with you with the fit. I just, I, I don't like the fit, but I can't, if I'm a Lakers fan or if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers front office, I'm not mad at that. I feel like they got away with robbery just because of the value that they gave up for the value that they got back. Now, the biggest thing is the fit with Westbrook. Westbrook is not a good shooter, as we all know. LeBron is an average shooter, I would say. And Anthony Mm -hmm. Davis, although he's a big man that can shoot and we glorify him for that, last season he shot 26% from three-pointer and he's a career 31% shooter from three. Those are not good numbers for spacing the floor. And we saw that, you know, spacing the floor is a huge, huge thing in today's NBA. And that's why I knew that they would go out and splurge in free agency and would just focus on shooters. But like you said, you said with their trio of Westbrook, LeBron, and with uh, AD, those guys take up $120 million in cap space. That is the cap space right yeah. there. So they're going to be t- playing a hefty luxury tax. But for the Lakers, you know, they that doesn't they don't give a shit about that if that equates to rings. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting. I would have personally liked the Buddy Heel trade as Me well. Just because if you look at him, he's a career 40% shooter from three, which is absolutely amazing. And I think not only just standing in the corner or standing at the elbow to shoot threes, he can create buckets for himself for sure. And I think... I think the Lakers would be dumb not to load manage AD and LeBron coming off of the big injuries that they did come off last year and seeing that they need them ready for the playoffs and getting a guy like Westbrook. I understand he can take on the load. He was in uh, OKC with basically nothing around him. I guess Steven Adams, that's one of the only guys around him. He ended up winning MVP in Washington when Bradley Beal was out, he kind of helped the team. So he has that experience being a number one guy with not a lot of guys around him as well. So I, that's where I see the trade making sense, but it's just, it's going to be the spacing. The spacing is what, you know, scares me for the Lakers. Uh, but I mean, that's why they went out and they got Malik Monk, they got Melo, they got Ariza, got Wayne Ellington. Um, 
and they got these guys on all veteran minimums, and I think they used a mid-level exception for Kendrick Nunn, and then Taylor Horton Tucker was uh, bird rights they had on him, so they could go over the luxury, or they could go over the salary cap. But let's talk about their free agency signings a little bit. I'm going to go through each one in my opinions on them. Malik Monk, I think, has a potential. We know that he has a potential. He was, what, the, the ninth pick? The, or he was a lottery pick, top lottery yeah. pick in the mm-hmm. draft. Had a hell of a career at Kentucky. Didn't really translate to the NBA, but we all know Malik Monk is that guy. And I think that's his name is what's making this signing so enticing and is giving it so much talk and stuff like that. But I think the verdict is still out for Malik Monk. We don't know mm-hmm. what he can do if he can be a viable shooter in this league. Carmelo Anthony, all right, great. He, If this was last year they would sign him, I would say – Eh, I don't know about that signing, but Carmelo last year proved that he could be a spot-up knockdown shooter So and can create buckets in the post. Looks like the post god is pulling up over dudes, so that, that's a solid signing. Trevor Ariza, you know, wheels are kind of falling off, but I think a solid 3 and D player, exactly. guy who has championship experience, uh, veteran in the locker room, so I was solid. Dwight Howard, I absolutely love that signing for the Lakers. I think that's – they figured out what their problem was last year, letting Dwight <laughs> Howard, letting JaVale McGee go. And they said, okay, we're going to bring Dwight back ASAP. And I think that was an absolute excellent signing for them. Kendrick Nunn. I don't know if I'm crazy, but do you remember any 20 year olds ring chasing? No, I, that that's insane that that's what the NBA is coming to. We got 20 year olds ring chasing. Hey, if you, if you, trying to get one might as well get one early in your career and then be able to you know make a name for yourself get him get him when lebron's and still in the league eh (laughs) no but kendrick now got him absolutely for a steal kind of gonna fill that role of dennis schroeder where he is that solid scoring point guard but can't really play defense as well as dennis schroeder and not really a facilitator but i mean when you have westbrook and lebron you don't need that so mm-hmm. good signing for them and then honestly i don't know about you but i absolutely love the wayne ellington signing i think that is an amazing amazing signing for them a guy who shot 40 percent from three last year what did they need to do after the Westbrook trade? Shooters, 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 shooters. And they got one of the best shooters on the market in Wayne Ellington. So I think that was solid. Taylor Horton Tucker got him three years, $32 million, uh, only 20 years old. So, I mean, verdict's still out for him, but I think he's still he's shown some flashes, shown some promise. And then Kent Bazemore, it's Kent Bazemore. <laughs> I really got nothing to say about that. I guess another shooter, but. Chance the Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like Chance the Rapper. He does. But what are your thoughts on these free agency signings? No, it's kind of like what you said. You can kind of hit on it. Um, I uh, posted on my Instagram story. I said, if this was three or five years ago, this would be a God squad. This would be like, holy cow, like Anthony Davis, LeBron, Westbrook, Carmelo. I'm like, what the freak? How do you even how do you even put that together? I would say five years ago, maybe not three, five, five. Yeah, yeah. This was definitely like at least five years ago, bro. You can even say Trevor Ariza because he was a dog on the Rockets as well. Exactly. So I'm like, bro, this would have been a totally unfair team that everybody would have been like, yo, how is this legal? So the fact that it's happening in 2021 just shows you how what the NBA is coming to at this point. It's just crazy. But like I said before, um, the Lakers obviously were put in a spot where they had to fill out the rest of the roster after they made the Westbrook trade. Um, I'm intrigued to see how more so the younger guys 
fit in with this uh, mix of players than the older guys, the likes of like your Kendrick Nunns and your Malik Monks. Can they be able to handle the pressure of playing on the LeBron James team where literally every season is win or bust? Like it's, it's championship or bust every season. There's no plays off. There's no days off. There's literally when the season starts, we have to be all in and buy in to the system and buy into winning a championship and devote ourselves to winning a championship. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Lakers are going to look from early on in the season. And like you said, if they don't load manage AD and LeBron, I, I would be very shocked, but I think they're definitely going to be doing that, which uh, like we mentioned is going to allow Westbrook to be able to run the show for the most part. Um, and still be able to keep the team afloat and they won't have a huge drop off like they did when they had the when they ended up going from the best team in the west to dropping all the way into the play-in tournament so I think that was one of the big things that they kind of understood and they kind of realized like look you know LeBron ain't the same player that he is 80s you know injury prone so let's get somebody in here that can be able to fill that void in, in case they both end up on the injury list so um, but like I said, I, I think that the Lakers look good on paper. And if it was five, three, five years ago, this would be an amazing team. I just think that I'm a little bit more skeptical because of fit and because of how it's so easy to get swept up and looking at the names and getting looked up and looking at, you know, like, oh my God, I can't believe they got Mella. I can't believe they got Westbrook. But is that going to translate into winning? Is that does that set them up in a position where they can win? I think more than anything, getting Dwight Howard back was the biggest thing that they could have had because oh, absolutely. that takes a whole lot of pressure off of Anthony Davis, who does not want to play the five position at all. He does not want to go why. there. But yeah. I think I think for us last year, what happened that you could see the big difference in last year and this year. Last year, I think everyone, including us, too, saw them on paper and started salivating, saying, "Oh my God, the Lakers are going to." go back to a championship they're gonna go back to the finals and then lo and behold what happened but this year it's the same thing look at what they're on paper they look amazing what are they actually gonna do i'm not gonna fall into that hole again like we did last year but one thing i will say this year is they struck as soon as free agency started what happened last year they kind of waited around they tra- traded for dennis schroeder and then all they really ended up with was montrez harrell and it's pretty Gasol. much it. Marcus all. And then outside of those two guys, they filled it out with guys like Markeith Morris, who came back, uh, Wesley Matthews, Alfonso McKinney, uh, Ben McElmore. Oh no, he was a midseason addition. Jared Dudley Costas. So, I mean, they kind of realized that they started to go after free agents a little too late and had to deal with, you know, the end of the line, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? With the Wesley Matthews and stuff like that. But they realized that Wayne Ellington's there. Trevor Rees is there. Kendrick Nunn is there, which would be a huge thing for them. So, and then the Lakers. So, yeah. you know, and who they, has not- Yeah, they yeah, have they- that prestige that they can lure in literally 20-year-olds into veteran minimums <laughs> and mid-level exceptions. That's, that's the Lakers' prestige. Moving on, we got the Memphis Grizzlies. Haven't really done anything yet, have they? I don't think they have. I really haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Moving on, we got Miami Heat, probably a big Eastern Conference team, which I'm a big fan of. First of all, they started off with a splash, getting Kyle Lowry, sign-in trade, a three-year $90 million deal for Goran Dragic and Precious Achua. And then uh, 
PJ Tucker got him for two years, $15 million. Duncan Robinson, five years, $90 million. They've re-signed Jimmy Butler, four years, $184 million. And then they got Markeith Morris for one year. Whoa. So for me, I, I love this Kyle Lowry sign and trade. I think that should have been done last year in uh, at the trade deadline. But I think that is a huge, huge get. You get you're giving up Drogic, uh Precious actual. I mean, that's kind of a big loss. But I think getting Dwayne Deadman last year in the trade deadline and retaining Dwayne Deadman again this year, which I didn't mention, uh, getting him is definitely beneficial for the Heat. PJ Tucker, that's a solid, solid guy to have in the locker room and defensive ends when going up against the likes of the Kevin Durant's and the Brooklyn Nets and the Giannis Antetokounmpo's and the Bucks. So that's big for them. Duncan Robinson, holy hell, got the bag. Talk about going from undrafted to getting $90 million contract. Shout out to Duncan Robinson, sharpshooter. Jimmy Butler getting paid four years, 80, $184 million. And then Markeith Morris, a solid power forward that they can use off the bench. I wonder if Jimmy Butler's still going to wake up at 5 a.m. after he's got this bag. Oh, you know Jimmy Buckets. <laughs> he's going to roll out with a third team and try to beat the Heat, see if they really bout it. Oh man. What are your thoughts on the Heat? Um I I, I like them picking up Kyle Lowry for Drogic and Precious Achua. I think that's that's big time. Um, but I'm more so out of all their signings that they made, I think I like the PJ Tucker signing because not only do you help upgrade your defense and you help upgrade your team as well, you take a piece that was a key piece from one of your rivals in the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's kind of like you know, not only do you improve your team, you're also hurting an Eastern Conference rival as well. So, hey, I might, uh, I might bet the Heat. Remember last time I bet the Bucks when they signed <laughs> PJ Tucker, the trip for PJ Tucker. Next time is I that, go to Vegas, maybe PJ like... Tucker's. That's the key. That's any the key. any NBA championship from that here on from last year out is PJ Tucker. That's what you need, sneaker god. He's like he's like the dude uh, who was on the Cavs and made like all those finals appearances with uh, LeBron. Oh, uh, James Johnson. Yeah, no, James yeah. Jones. James, <laughs> James Jones. Jones. James Jones. Yeah. Like everybody kept saying like, man, shout out to James Jones for making all those finals appearances. From the Heat to the Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I like the, the PJ Tucker signing. Man, Duncan Robinson, like you said, got a huge bag. But my thing, I think that is kind of making me a little apprehensive about the Heat is, yes, I do like Kyle Lowry over Gorgon Drogic at this point in their careers. And but committing 90 million over three years to Kyle Lowry and 184 million over four years to Jimmy Butler, who ain't getting any better, <laughs> ain't getting any better at this point. It's just like, dang. But I feel like this is what the Heat kind of put themselves in as far as like they kind of box themselves into this corner where they they can't they don't really have any moves where they can really go outside of like this was pretty much it. Um, no, I don't think anybody really wanted to touch Westbrook outside of the Lakers. And I think that as far as point guards go, you know, everybody was trying to get a piece out of Kyle Lowry. So they were able to get that. But man, you know, having to commit so much money to a guy who is, you know, in, in you know, the later stages of his career. And it's just it just feels like they're really top heavy and similar to the Lakers. When you having to commit so much money to two guys one who, yes, has a championship under his belt, but the other who is supposed to be your best player in Jimmy Butler, who did get the heat to, you know, the finals in the bubble, 
But outside of that, really, as far as postseason success, you know, has not really had a whole lot of it. But I understand, like, the Heat are in this position and they kind of have to just commit to it or decide to trade somebody. And I don't think that they're fully yet willing to commit to trading Tyler Hero yet or involving him in any serious trade talks yet. So outside of that, I think they don't really have any key key pieces that they can use in order to improve at a more drastic rate because the East is just going to keep getting better and better and better. And if you're not getting better and you're pretty much getting worse, if you're getting, if you're just stagnant. So the heat had to do what they had to do to avoid being stagnant. And I, I totally understand it, but I just don't think that if you look at the landscape, I still think that the, at the, at best, they're the third best team in the East and at worst, they could be from anywhere from fourth all the way down to six. Yeah, I could definitely see that. But we, you see the tail of the, of two tails and uh, basically in the Chicago Bulls going offensive firepower and the Miami Heat going defensive firepower. Because I think this defensive starting lineup or maybe not starting, but defensive lineup that they could roll out in Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, uh, Jimmy Butler – uh, PJ Tucker and Bam Adebayo that is a defensive nightmare so and then I think honestly I love the Kyle Lowry signing and I love Jimmy Butler signing because they're definitely going all their chips in right now and trying to win now within these first two seasons and I think they could they're still not done I definitely think they can go out and get players you know there's a couple guys on the market I think like uh, get another shooter like JJ Redick maybe or get a get a guy off the bench like Lou Williams and then Tyler Hero he's probably going to be coming off the bench as well too so I think I don't know a lot of people aren't really talking about the heat but I like their chances I really like their chances to make some noise in the Eastern Conference and maybe upset one of those top two teams that we uh, know are the Bucks and the Nets. Speaking of the Bucks, let's talk about them. They brought back Bobby Portis, a.k.a. Squidward. Two <laughs> years, $9 million. I believe the second year is a player option, and then they brought in Rodney Hood for one year. Basically running back the same team, minus P.J. Tucker, getting Rodney Hood, who we know Rodney Hood was great in Utah but injuries have kind of derailed his career and this is kind of a prove it. Can he help this team, you know, be that Bucky getter off the bench or is he kind of going to be fading out of the league, but getting Bobby Portis for two years, 9 million, I think is an absolute steal might be the steal of free agency to get him and seeing what he did throughout the entire playoffs for them. So definitely a solid get for them. Yeah, absolutely, because, like, he could have asked for way more on the open market. But it just shows that I think he was willing to, you know, take a little bit of a pay cut in order to be able to come back, come back to that championship winning team in order to be able to still have a chance to compete and fight uh, and get back to the finals and try to run it back one more time in order to to get uh, another ring, which don't blame him for, for after the success he had last season. Don't don't blame him at all. Uh, I think for the Bucks, um, their thing is going to be uh, they are running it back with the same team. But is that team going to be good enough when you got a full, we're expecting a fully healthy net squad to come back? We don't know what the Sixers are going to do, but the Heat are going to be there. You know, there's going to be a lot of other teams that are going to be in the mix that can maybe try to give them some uh, some troubles in the playoffs if they get the wrong matchup. So, I mean, 
I think they're going to have to figure out how they can get that three and D guy to replace PJ Tucker, maybe at the mid season, maybe they look at the buyout market or something like that. Um, if they're not really, cause I don't really see them making any huge trades at this point in time. I think after they made that drew holiday trade, they, they're not really, I don't really know if they have anything big time that they can offer anybody at this point in time. So I think that, uh, they're pretty much going to run it back with the squad they got. And like I said, the only thing that they're probably missing is a, a guy to replace PJ Tucker. Moving on, we got the Minnesota Timberwolves haven't really done anything in free agency. Then we got the New Orleans Pelicans doing obviously that sign and trade for Alonzo Ball. And they're getting Devontae Graham four years, $47 million. I really like this signing from an offense perspective and a floor spacing perspective. But Man, they traded Bledsoe. Lonzo's gone. That perimeter defense is going to be very, very sus. Zion's looking around like, damn. <laughs> now I know how AD was feeling all the yeah. years. Like, yo, why are y'all not helping me? <laughs> yeah, it's not looking good. It's looking like basically Ingram, Zion, Valanchunas, which I thought was an amazing get for them. But sheesh, that, that point guard, that guard play is not looking too hot. They have some guys who can potentially take off in the kill Alexander Walker um, and then Josh Hart if they bring him back as well too. But I'm just looking at a defensive perspective. That's going to be very, very tough for the Pelicans. <laughs> Moving on to the New York Knicks. They brought back their guy, Derek Rose, three years, $43 million. Nerlens Noel, three years, $32 million. Evan Fournier, four years, $78 million. And then Alec Burks, three years, $30 million. Brought back a lot of their guys from last year and then brought in a bucket getter in Evan Fournier, uh, which do not Google his last name. I repeat, do not Google his last name. <laughs> but, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, the Fournier signing, I mean – you know, I, I caught what he did when uh, he got traded to the Celtics. Eh, you know, it's, it's yeah, cool. it's like, yeah, it's like yeah, nothing like, that really moves. Yeah, like, yeah. It's it's more scoring for a team that was dead last, I think, in scoring last year, but exactly. first in or like top three in defense last year. So I definitely the tip see effect. That. That's the Tibbs effect. So. Yeah, I definitely get where they're coming from, but I just don't think Evan Fournier goes from maybe he takes him from last to like last five <laughs> like i just don't see evan fournier moving the needle for that that much and for 78 million dollars i don't know it, it's kind of it's tough to look at and then alex burke getting three years 30 million dollars i get he played like flashes of really good play but oof i don't know yeah and so i think that the look i understand what the knicks are trying to do this was the first year they made it to the, into the playoffs um and a long long time so they don't want to get you know out of this winning mentality and i think you bring back the guys who help you get there and that's a good thing that's also good for the environment of the, the young guys like rj barrett um and 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 to be able to establish that winning culture and that winning mentality back with the new york knicks and pretty much move the knicks out of you know being that terrible abysmal franchise that they've been for yeah exactly so that that i think the knicks are finally moving in a positive direction after last season and i'm really intrigued to see what they do this year because they really surprised a lot of people last season with the amount of success that they had and can they duplicate that and get back to the playoffs and maybe even try to get to the second round this time 
Next up, we have the Oklahoma City Thunders. Their big, big thing was getting Shea Gilgis Alexander five years, $172 million deal. Well deserved by SGA. But last year, I mean, that health kind of maybe an issue. I don't think it will be. I think he'll be healthy. I, I mean, SGA, I'm a big, big fan of him. And I don't know anybody that's not a fan of him or hates him. So great signing by OKC. I think they got Mike Muscala two years, $7 million. But other than that, they really haven't done anything. Um, just really in that rebuild mode. Maybe we could see Kemba Walker on the move. That's a possibility. I don't know if the if OKC will keep him this upcoming They literally year. have an abundance of of guards at this point so yeah I, I believe that if they don't trade Kimber walker i'll kind of be like uh okay yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do orlando magic haven't really done anything then we got the philadelphia 76ers got fork on Corkmas back three years 15 million dollars and then andre drummond a one-year deal crickets For- <laughs> Corkmaz, they brought they 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 realized that they needed shooters. Corkmaz performed in the playoffs, so I think well deserved contract by him. Andre Drummond, <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny just seeing that all the beef that the starting center and the backup center have had in their fair share of their careers with each other, but now they're teammates. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I can't wait to see. Doc Rivers and Andre Drummond combined together. Oh my God. I don't know. There might be riots in Philly. I, I won't be surprised if there's riots in Philly. Yeah. And the crazy thing is that them getting Andre Drummond and, like you said, that whole situation with him and Embiid having their, you know, fair share of beef before in the past just pretty much epitomizes what the Philadelphia 76ers are as a franchise at this point in time. I mean, it's been what, six, seven years now since the process. And they're still processing, still haven't gotten to a conference final yet. And I'll give I'll give Daryl Morey this upcoming yeah. year and next year, and yeah. then I can see whether the the Sixers are just and I think cursed or about or as now. much as as much as everybody wants to say that Ben Simmons got to get up out of here, you are like the 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 76ers are, are right there with you as a franchise. They're like, yeah, we want him, we want to trade him. But we're not about to trade him for Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> we're right. not about to give him away to the paces for Malcolm Brogdon. Because right. he still has somewhat of potential. I think all they need to do is just have somewhat of a better season. If they if they if he plays better and if he shows postseason. Up, postseason. Exactly. If they get to a conference final and Ben Simmons is the is a a heavy you know star of the show. And is a good co-star alongside with Embiid. Not saying that they have to be the best of friends. Not saying they have to make it, you know, just work for the sake of making it work. But I think they have to make it work for the sake of their own futures in the NBA. And I think that for the Sixers as a franchise, you're pretty much, you know, going to run it back with the same old squad. But, you know, after that collapse to Atlanta, you know, I know a lot of people are wondering, like, how do you just run it back? And it's like, they just have no choice. They don't really have any room to be able to to move around and i think that they're really kind of you know sitting on their hands and you know kind of on their knees hoping and praying that ben simmons is willing to cooperate and get on board and at least improve his trade value so they can move him and get a respectable you know deal back because at this point in time we're seeing star players go from pretty much almost nothing so the sixers know that they don't want to give up simmons for nothing they want to get at least at least an all-star player back. So I think Ben Simmons really it's 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 Ben Simmons or, or bust this season for the Philadelphia 76ers. 
Moving on, we got the Phoenix Suns, the Western Conference champs, getting Cameron Payne, three years, $19 million, and Chris Paul, four years, $120 million while he's entering, what, his age 36 season, I believe it is. And then JaVale McGee. Hey, I called this one. JaVale McGee, one year, $5 million. I said they need to go out and get a guy like JaVale McGee. And lo and behold, I think they got a guy like JaVale McGee. <laughs> so, yeah, solid signings, got, getting their guy campaign back. Chris Paul, I mean, $30 million a year (laughs) for a 36-year-old. I mean, he's proven that he can be healthy the past two seasons. Healthy-ish. Healthy-ish. But more healthy than we've seen in the past. I mean, still still healthy enough to make an impact. Yeah, exactly. Way more healthy than ever before. I think this is the right thing to do. Uh, if you're the Phoenix Sun, they really they, had no choice. Yeah, they 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 had no choice, and I think shit. If nothing transpires in these four years, hell, you got uh, you know, a mentor for DeAndre and and Devin Booker, and hope you could roll something out with them. Unless they decide to move on, then you're just you're screwed at that point. Square one. No, but, but I'm like, if you're if you're a Suns fan, and you know, Suns fans are acting up, and you know, Chris Paul said, let's run it back. Look, dog. Let's be real. If the Suns get back to the finals this year, this season, and they go all the way and they win it, then I mean, we're gonna have to come up with some sort of bet or some sort of challenge. Listeners, send us like send us like you know your challenges, your bets, or whatever. If the Suns win, what do you want us to do here on the nose, please? What do you want me to do? Because I'll, I'll I'll take any challenge, I'll take any bets right now. If the it Suns win, if the Suns win the NBA finals in twenty twenty two. I'll, I'll I'll take any bets. I'll take any bets. I I don't believe that's gonna happen. I'm sorry. I don't see it happening. I think that the West is just way too way too way too good, and it's gonna get way too way too way too more healthy than last season, especially with a longer off season. I think yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot more difficult for Phoenix to get back. And if they make it out of the second round, I'll be shocked. Moving on to the Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard said that he doesn't believe this team that is constructed right now for the Trailblazers is a championship winning team. So what do they go out and do? They signed Cody Zeller to a one-year deal and re-signed Norman Powell five years, ninety million. Hey, that moved the needle for me. I feel like they're they're probably favorites to win the title right now. I mean, you got Dane, CJ again. You see how that that tandem works. That tandem just works. So, listeners, I am taking applications for a new co-host. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, we're looking for a new co-host here on the nosebleeds, thinking Cody Zeller is moving the needle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, though, like, if you're Damian Lillard, what's the holdup, bro? We know you went out. Yeah, Ooh, for real. There. What's the holdup? Why not just... Skedaddle. Why not just submit that trade request? You, we know you want up out of there. Because here's my thing. This this offseason, I think after Giannis doing what he did with the Bucks and helping them win the championship, yes, you could say obviously injuries played a key role, but he, he got his. He got his championship. And he was loyal. And he stood with the franchise that drafted him, that, that, that took a chance on him. It's funny how in this offseason we've seen so much happen as far as the landscape of the NBA, as far as guys are saying that they need help or guys are saying that they need to get up out of here, they need to move or they need to do this, need to make all these types of different moves that's happening. And I'm just thinking like, man, y'all just sitting back just like, 
<laughs> you guys are sad. Y'all need y'all need to really do all this just to beat me. And I'm just thinking like, yo, like this is the NBA, and I think that it's a reaction to a reaction. It's either you you have to go through the long process of trying to rebuild and trying to find and hopefully gamble and find a star. Or you try to be like, you know, a team like the Lakers or the Bulls or, you know, and, and it, it sucks for teams like Portland, these small market teams that don't really have a whole lot of free agent capital to be able to get a whole ton of guys in free agency. They kind of just have to throw their hands up and hope and pray that they get something. And I'm sure they've been shopping, shopping CJ and, and trying to see what they can get. And if it don't make no sense to bring in, to, to, to pull the trigger and get rid of CJ and you feel like you're not going to be a better team for it, then don't do it. But don't tell me that you're doing all you can at the same time, not doing anything that is just anything like do something, do something. Don't talk do about something. it. Be about it. You got to do something for me. I think, I don't think this is going to be the final roster for the trailblazers. I could see no. them making one, you know, maybe, good amount of moves that will actually move the needle but if not i can mark it down right now damien lillard will be traded at the trade deadline next year i i'll, I'll book that right now if this is the roster that they roll out come next i'm just season. waiting for dame after the olympics is over to hop on a track and be like i'm one out of portland <laughs> i want the i want the mixtape i want the ep to come out over the summer be like yo i'm on tour i'm touring i'm getting up out of here i'm taking calls Moving on, we got the Sacramento Kings getting Rashawn Holmes four years, $55 million. Solid, solid signing. I didn't think he would come back to the Kings, so that's a big get for them. Um, nah, the Kings are still very stalemate, in my opinion. I feel Kings like they're. Kings, man. Yeah, I feel like they're not a terrible team, but they're not a playoff team either. I could see him possibly making the play in tournament, but I don't know. They they got to figure something out in the like the Kings and I I don't know it's not a market that players want to go to so it's not a front office that players want to play for <laughs> exactly so it's it's tough for the Kings right now because I can't give you guys any advice honestly <laughs> I can't give you guys any advice I, I, hey. Rashawn Home I'll clap it up for you guys getting Rashawn Holmes back I think that was a very solid, solid. hashtag bring, bring Vladi back oh no let's not do that <laughs> let's not do that come on now. Moving on, we got the San Antonio Spurs getting Doug McDermott, three years, $42 million. Zach Collins, who did not play all of last year, three years, $22 million. And then they signed Bryn Forbes, bringing him back to San Antonio. Spurs, I feel like they're <laughs> they're hitting the rebuild button, but trying to tell their fans that they're not hitting the rebuild button, that I, I don't understand. They're going out and splurging for no reason, in my opinion. They lost the Rosen. Aldridge isn't there anymore. They got DeJounte Murray, who been rumored that they're shopping. Lonnie Walker, they might be shopping. Jakob Pertle, he ain't the answer at center. So, And then we'll talk about their draft pick later. So <laughs> I don't know about the Spurs right now. It seems like an era is finally coming to an end, but never know with Popovich. And it's so crazy how one injury – to Kawhi Leonard literally domino effect this entire franchise and they have not been the same since he's since that trade and they haven't been like they, they haven't had any sort of thing that's gone their way to their way they can be like yo we all right <laughs> it's like look unless you you're somehow getting prime 
Duncan and Prime Robinson in that lineup, it's like, bro, Spurs are not the same, and they're not going to be the same. It's just crazy how they had Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan on their payroll for so long, and we're still able to be such a competitive championship caliber team every single year when everybody was always making moves they always were able to be in the mix still and they're just not and they haven't been right ever since those guys have left tim duncan just needs to hop off the bench and play for him instead of coach him <laughs> that's what he gotta do i mean at this rate they might they might have to call him up and be like yo we need you come out Dread, of retirement dreadlock tim duncan yo that would be hilarious that. that would be hilarious see tim duncan on the court with some dreads <laughs> All right, moving on. We got the Toronto Raptors re-signing Gary Trent Jr. Three years, $54 million securing the bag. Solid. I don't I don't know how I feel about that contract. I think the Raptors, I mean, in general, they're still trying to find their identity with this team. But Gary Trent Jr. in that trade for Norman Powell was a solid game. They couldn't just let him walk. So they did their thing in the offseason, got Gary Trent Jr. now. Only time will tell with the Raptors what happens. Oh, then they got the the trade for Kyle Lowry, Precious Achua, and uh, Goran Dragic. Yep. So I think this team still could possibly be fighting for a playoff spot towards the bottom. It's definitely a possibility because we know the Eastern Conference top heavy. So it's definitely a possibility over there. Moving on to the Utah Jazz, they got Rudy Gay, two years, $12.1 million. Resigned Mike Conley, three years, $68 million. And then Hassan Whiteside, really, really liked the Rudy Gay signing, especially since they traded uh, Derek Favors to the Thunder. And then Mike Conley got him back. I mean, heck, if he was healthy in the postseason, maybe they'd be in the Western Conference Finals. We don't even know what would happen at that point. So, I, I think it's a good job by the Utah Jazz running it back. Hassan Whiteside off the bench is a solid center. It's just what you're going to get with Hassan Whiteside. That you don't like the baggage that's carried with him, but more than that, it's the effort that he gives. Because we know Hassan Whiteside wants to be a starter. And when he was coming off the bench, what happened? He did not give effort. So I don't know. Maybe Quinn Snyder is going to have to instill something into Hassan Whiteside. But other than that, I think the Jazz had a decent, decent off. Uh, or a free agent start. I think depending on, you know, like you said, which Hassan White said they get, they could get somebody who could even maybe, I don't want to say he's going to, you know, threaten Rudy Gobert's position or his role on the team. But if he plays like he couldn't play, he provides more of an offensive threat, I think, than Rudy Gobert. I, I, I just think, but I don't think he provides enough in totality, in, in total that he warrants that his, his production ain't anywhere close to Rudy's production on the defense. So time will only tell, but I think that helps them at least to not have to worry about if Rudy gets into foul trouble, Oh, we got to pull him out the game and we don't have anybody who can defend the rim or anybody who can at least, you know, contest shots. They at least now have somebody there to be in the paint in Hassan Whiteside and, I mean, if they have a healthy Mike Conley, somebody can kind of take a little bit of the the weight off of uh, Donovan Mitchell's shoulders. That would be a big time. That would be big time for them because, like you said, Utah had a really good season last year. It's just they kind of just fumbled in the postseason. Moving on to the last team to wrap it up, it's the Washington Wizards. Traded Russell Westbrook. They got Kuz, Montrez Harrell. They got Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and now there's rumors that Spencer Dinwiddie and the Wizards are nearing a deal. 
I I don't know what's up with the Wizards. They're kind of like the Raptors, but in a worse situation. Don't know their identity at all. Getting kind of decent role players around Bradley Beal, but in no way, shape, or form will be able to compete, in my opinion, at a high level. So I, I, I really don't know what the Wizards are doing because they're not going to be getting high draft picks with this roster and at the same time, they're not going to be making noise if they even make the playoffs. They're kind of in the they're kind of the kings of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and and what's crazy is that like they they they're looking at replacing Westbrook with you know Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, like, man, it's like you just you, you just gonna keep staying in the same position. But hey, I don't understand why. I, I mean, it's it's. You know, interesting that, you know, I thought that the Spencer Dinwiddie uh, market would be a lot more intriguing. And it's like, man, Wizards, that's it. But hey, hey know, he said he wanted the bag. He said he wanted the bag. That's and true. If he that's gets true. the bag from them, that's this is what he's got to deal with the consequences. But that, it's, it's so easy. Just press the big red button that has rebuild trade on deal? it. Just that has rebuild. Deal? Yeah. And if that means but trade hey, deal to do it, he don't want to be traded. That's the thing. It's like he don't want to go. He don't. He doesn't. Have but from the Wizards, what are you gonna do? Keep ro- rolling out the same lineup and be mediocre and maybe not even make the playoff, but still not get a low draft pick or a high draft pick, I should say. But you, but you also got to think of like how can we, we as a franchise, we have to be able to sell this to the fan base. I'm like, you know, if we trade barely Bill. If I'm a fan, I don't want this. What's going on right now? <laughs> If I am a fan of the Washington Wizards, I do not want what's going on right now. I want a rebuild. I would much rather <laughs> want a rebuild. And it's not even like they have like a fancy draft pick that they could be like, oh, well, you know, we lost Bill, but at least it's like. Eh. We got but Denny. I, we got Denny. That's true. That's true. But hey, I think I, that, I like can't. you said, I agree with you. They should trade Bradley Bill and just fully commit to rebuilding because who's to say that maybe you don't end up with the top five pick? if you decide to push that big red and button. this this upcoming draft has two really good players in chet holgram and uh, imani bates and i think if if you decide to dump off beal you could get a haul of draft picks back oh absolutely absolutely that wraps it up for the free agency uh if there's anything that happens between now and then sorry we couldn't get to it but next episode we will definitely catch you up on everything in free agency hoping for really big news or some surprising news but let's talk about right before nba free agency the nba draft and just our thoughts in the draft in general i think the top three picks were kind of set with kate cunningham jalen green evan mobley uh but yeah what were your thoughts on the draft initially um I think that the draft was, like you said, pretty much like the topics I kind of expected. There were some guys that kind of fell into the second round that I wasn't, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I wasn't expecting. But you know, uh, I saw something. I saw something that said predicting every pick in the draft is probably harder than getting a March Madness bracket right. And I would agree, just with all the yeah. trades and everything that happened. And I felt like there was a, there was a lot of trades that happened this nba draft for sure and i i don't know about you but i felt this draft had a lot of good players all throughout the lottery and even at the beginning of the playoff teams that were drafting as well too this was a pretty deep draft but towards the end the second round the end of the first round it kind of like there's a drastic drop in my opinion but that lottery i felt like it was stacked and could be franchise helpers and potentially franchise changers no i'm with you on that i think that um when you when you look at that uh when you look how 
they say this this is a deep draft and time only tells when it comes to you know how how good a draft is i mean people are still you know kicking themselves about how bad they feel i think what is it the 2015 nba draft is and how they feel like that that's you know that draft class should have been better but hey you know we don't really know what any of these guys are going to be yet we're just going based on potential and what they've done so far in their careers um but at the same same token i think that when you kind of look at the the draft there's always a few things that happen that kind of just go like wait what that doesn't make any sense yeah let's talk about that first and let's talk about the biggest head scratcher of the draft i'll go first and i gotta go with scotty barnes over jalen suggs uh scotty barnes is a great player and i think he has defense player of the year potential i think he's an amazing player he was going to be a top five top six pick but in my opinion you know kyle lowry was out of there and you need a point guard and you had jalen suggs who i i don't know if i'm just like really high on him but I, I really love Jalen Suggs. I think he's an all-NBA caliber type of player. I think he has that. He is very young. He is sneakily athletic, and he's 6'4", playing the point guard position, and his IQ is off the chart and can play both sides of the ball tremendously. So I think with Jalen Suggs right there at number four and then passing on him for Scotty Barnes, who is amazing defensively, probably one of the best defenders in the draft. But, you know, offense, he could be offensive liability. But – you know, we've seen guys who come into the league without offense and, you know, develop an offense. So, you know, only time will tell. But, yeah, that was my biggest head scratcher of the draft. What is yours? I think it was uh, with OKC and the fact that they, they kind of had like a Memphis Grizzlies type vibe. In this, I'm sorry, a, Mem- uh, a, a Minnesota Timberwolves vibe in the sense of, they just love getting all these playmakers on their team. <laughs> like, you know, like more than that, they love their international players getting Poku last year, yeah. getting uh, Josh Giddy this year. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's like, again, it's no shade to any, it's no shade any to uh, these players or anything like that. It's just the, the fact that you're getting, you already have SGA, you are drafting Josh Giddy, you have Kimba Walker already. Uh, then you also get Trey Mann. It's like, dang, dude, how many how many point guards do you, do you need? So, and then also the fact that they didn't they didn't they had three first round picks, three picks in the first round. I mean, I would have loved to have seen them try to like mesh those three picks together in order to see if they could maybe float out a, a potential big time trade to to get them at least an all star caliber player, but. I don't know if anything materialized. I don't know. I think I think in that pers like that perspective, I don't think they're ready for an all-star player yet. I just don't think in this part of their rebuild they want to get an all-star player. Um, they're kind of still playing the we'll take on an ugly contract if you give us a first round pick. Right. Like they just right. keep rolling yeah. that out. And I because I think they still want to be in that, you know, bottom tier to where they can get good draft picks. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? but I mean it's almost like it's not it's not fully uh Sam Hinkie or it's not fully like the process or anything. Sam like Presti. That. Sam Presti, excuse me. It's not fully the process, but it's just I don't know. Like with OKC, it's literally like Sam Presti, their GM, is literally just going ahead and rolling dice and saying, hmm, hopefully we, we land ourselves, we draft ourselves a, a, a good all-star like Westbrook Harden and uh, KD. So I'm like, the 
if they're able to end up with any sort of all-star player, that's a win. Yes. But how long is it going to take you? I mean, I get like, again, you're stacking up all these draft picks. You saw what happened with the stacking up draft picks with the Celtics. And I just hope that Sam Pressy is under is under the belief that if it ain't, you know, something that's going to help us as a franchise, then do we really need to draft this player and add him to our roster? Is he going to make us better in the long run? Or is this just going to be another young cat that we're just going to add and we're just going to be a mid-tier to, you know, losing franchise for a couple of years and we're just going to, like, look up and be like, okay, where are we at? We, we, we any, any closer to winning yet? Yeah, and Presti, they trust over there. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, he's a bad GM by no means. I mean, the fact no, that not at all. To facilitate getting all these draft picks is amazing. But I think us is, as right? NBA fans, don't mean to cut you off, us as no. NBA fans, we are getting impatient because we know OKC to be, you know, the glorious yeah. KD, Westbrook, Harden yeah. days, and us, like, we OKC fans, I can't even imagine what they're feeling right now. But me as an NBA fan, I'm just like, dude, I'm impatient. With just, this Thunder's rebuild, look, I, I'm not saying they got to go and. Just, and I feel like know, this is only one year, one or year two of their rebuild. Right. I'm not saying they got to just you know do it right here, right now. But I'm just saying that like the longer you wait, the longer those draft picks lose their value. So you got to kind of take advantage of the opportunity in the moment and seize that moment and opportunity and finesse a, a, a trade for a player who is a disgruntled player like he did for Paul George. Uh, and 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 maybe flopping. yeah so maybe Bradley Bill if he yeah. ends up coming around and exactly requesting a trade that's I, that's something that they could do I could see it definitely happening all right let's move on let's talk about the steal of the draft who was your steal of the draft Corey my steal of the draft was how on earth did the Golden State Warriors get both Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga like I thought they would get one of those guys. But they got both of them. So the fact that they got both of them is pretty good gets. And, and again, it's not to say that these guys are going to make immediately put them back into playoff and championship contention. But the potential that they have, especially a Moses Moody, who is a guy who was a bucket getter. And with Clay's, you know, status still being up in the air at this point, as far as we know, we don't know if he's going to be the same player. At least you have a guy in Moses Moody who – can be a right away scorer and can come in. Jonathan Kaminga, I feel like, is a little bit more of a project and somebody who is ha- has so much athleticism, athletic freak, but still maybe needs to polish a lot of stuff in his game. I mean, the guy is what 18 years old, so he's still got a long ways to go. But at the same time, the fact that they were able to get both of those guys just shows you again the Warriors just find ways in order to be able to just pick up these guys in free agency and in the in the NBA draft and somehow be able to put a, a solid team together for state uh, for Stephen Curry yeah I'm right there with you the Warriors had a hella hell of a draft but yeah Moses Moody is my steal of the draft for them it was supposed to be a top pick pick maybe even or top 10 pick maybe even top eight pick and he fell to the Warriors at 14 at the end of the lottery. And we saw in his lone season in Arkansas, he was amazing. He saved their season numerous amount of times. And just him, I feel like he won't have the – I feel like the Warriors will come back and could be championship contenders this upcoming season because I think Clay will could, could go back to Clay that he was. But I think that's a blessing in disguise for the Warriors just because they have these guys on their teams – 
that they won't re- require these rookies that are coming in to produce a crazy amount like the Jonathan Kamingas, but more like Moses Moody. He has the luxury to learn behind two of the greatest shooters of all time and one of the best defenders in the NBA right now in Draymond Green. So I think he'll be a solid bench piece for them uh, the first couple of years and then possibly a solid starter in the future. He reminds me a lot of a young Bradley Beal coming into the NBA, mm, of yeah. just how he, he can just – you know, shoot the ball. He's very efficient with the ball as well, too. So, and the Warriors have the luxury of not asking a lot from him. And I think he can kind of go, you know, steadily grow at his own pace. Let's talk about the biggest winners in terms of team of the draft. I got the Houston Rockets. Got Jalen Green at number three. Uh, Alperin, or sorry, at number two, Alperin Sangoon, Usman Garuba, and Josh Christopher. They got arguably the best scorer in this entire draft in Jalen Green. A top three big man. Maybe you could even say the second best big man in the draft after Evan Mobley. Um, and then they got arguably the best defender in Usman Garuba, who has been absolutely gr- amazing in the Olympics. I don't know if you guys have been watching, but him against the the um, against USA when Spain was playing USA, he was just amazing, taking some of the best all-stars in the NBA and was sticking with them and basically not backing down from a challenge. So I think that was an amazing gift for them. And then they got a solid two-way guard in Josh Christopher. So, so far, in my opinion, I think the post James Harden era is off to a good start for this team. Yeah. I think it just kind of depends on whether or not, um, obviously you hope that like Jalen green turns into the all-star that you hope that he turns into and then you're hoping that you maybe have one more guy that can be able to rise up to at least bare minimum uh, be a decent, you know, player similar to what a Chris Milton was before he became an all-star. You know, you're hoping that you get that type of guy that you can build around and have that. And then you still, you know, have, I believe they still have John Wall on, on the roster too. So that is big time for, you know, a young Jalen Green to be able to learn under a John Wall and be able to see, uh how what it takes in order to you know be a top tier nba player and you know a you know budding star in the nba so that's that's a big time thing for them right now is just developing and getting their guys uh and, and preparing them for and like they're getting the a, they're getting a healthy christian wood back as well too yes yes so that's also going to be pretty good for them as well so houston's on the right track i think they could even be a team that could threaten to try and make the playoffs this year. I don't expect them to, but they could be hovering around the play in tournament, depending on how good they are. What's your biggest winner of the draft team wise? My biggest winner is a guy who really isn't known for having a whole lot of draft success, but shout out to Michael Jordan, man. And the uh, Charlotte Hornets, they did their thing in the, in the draft uh, this year, man. 2021 was a really good draft for the Charlotte Hornets. They were able to get James Bonite and Kai Jones, how they got James Bonai and how he fell that far down. Insane. <laughs> it's just insane because the reports indicated that they were already going to take Kai Jones. They were committed to taking Kai Jones. Which that was I had the him guy. in my mock draft. And you did, yeah. But they were surprised that James Bonai fell into their lap, and they just couldn't believe that he was right there for them to be able to take. So the fact that you got a solid guard to pair up with Lamella ball and then you got kai jones somebody who's going to be just flourishing in the pick and roll hopefully alongside with Lamelo, and he can just throw him lobs for days is going to be fun to see as well and i think this could be a nice again similar to last season a nice fun team in the nba that 
could maybe exceed expectations and shock a lot of people if they get on a nice little run of games. Yeah, I mean, I think minute or uh charlotte excuse me we're a top four seed before lamella yeah. got injured yeah before so Gordon you had these guys yeah. i think with malik monk and Devonte graham on the move getting a guy like book Knight is huge for them and then kai jones i i just thought the best fit for kai jones was the charlotte hornets and i'm just so glad that i'm gonna be tuning into a lot of hornet games to see that lamella to kai jones connection Let's talk about losers of the draft. Who is your loser of the draft? I'm going with the San Antonio Spurs, man. It's just like we talked about earlier. The Spurs is not having a good, good time. Their first-round pick was Joe Primo when they could have got Moses Moody or Corey Kitzbert, who they allowed to fall. And I, I, I just look at what they did overall in the draft, and it's nothing that jumps out at you. It's nothing that's too exciting, and it's kind of just – a C minus to D plus sort of draft for the San Antonio Spurs who and in years past at least made some interesting moves in the in on draft night and this year it just is like they just kind of threw their hands up and just threw whatever they could at the wall. I don't know what they were uh what their what they had as far as a plan going into this draft, but it just didn't pan out in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think with Joshua Primo, I think they definitely could have traded down if they wanted him. I think he might have been the biggest reach in the draft because uh, he was a late first round, early second round pick for me. But mm-hmm. team I'm going to go with is the Thunder. I think just that number six pick, that was their main pick that they had to hit on and getting Josh Giddy. I'm not saying Josh Giddy's a bad player, but no. they could have definitely traded back to get Josh Giddy. Or like you mentioned before, packages that trade and either get a player or move up in the draft, something like that. But I think with, with Jonathan Kaminga on the board, even you could say Davion Mitchell or Book Knight, those are all better prospects in my opinion, especially Kaminga because you know you're not in a win-now state. So why not get a guy in Kaminga who has one of the best ceilings in this draft and you know try to try to work with him? But I don't know. Maybe Josh Giddy. I was looking up uh, you know some scouting reports on him and stuff. He's great. Uh, offensively in terms of being a six, eight player, you know, reminds me of a really tall Ricky Rubio. Mm, yeah. so that's who he really reminds yes. me of. Can't really play defense. Can't really yes. shoot the ball all that well. Someone uh, said he's, uh, reminds them of, uh, a Manu. I can see Manu. Manu was a little better of a shooter in yeah. my opinion. And he hustled a little more. So we'll see only time will tell with Josh Giddy. But I, then again, like I said, no no shot to Josh Giddy. I just think where they drafted him, they could have moved back if they really wanted him that bad and, you know, get more assets because, you know, Sam Presti loves more draft picks and assets. So, <laughs> And before we move on, one other team that we got to mention, what on earth were the Memphis Grizzlies doing on draft night, bro? Like, they traded Valanchunas and they traded the 17th pick to the Pelicans for Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, which – Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, I don't understand that already. No spacing. But, but on draft night, they decided to get a guy in Zaire Williams who was projected to be a mid-first, maybe even low-first rounder. So, in, in my opinion, I actually think the Pelicans got the better player at their pick in Trent Murphy. <laughs> I know, but to be honest, I mean, it's not again, it's not to say that Zaire Williams can't turn into something, but reach – Big reach because he was not projected to be no top 10 player, top 10 pick. So the fact that they got him at 10 when they could have got him at 17. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest of years at Stanford, but 
I don't know. Maybe don't know. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of athleticism and he's got a yeah. lot of you know things that physical traits that you love. He's just a great looking athlete. But I mean, like you said, you know, I don't know if it was because of COVID or you know what, but he did not have the best of seasons at Stanford. And you just hope and pray if you're Memphis that he can kind of turn it around. I know that they're they've got a lot of young guys on their roster right now, so it's not like panic mode. But the fact that you had to sacrifice Valanciunas. Yeah. And you moved up to get him. I mean, hey, if you want it, I always say, if you want your guy, go get your guy. But when the guy was projected to be mid-first round, man, that's just a reach for me. Yeah. And you want to know what's crazy is LeBron James' son, Bronny Jr., two of his teammates are now in the league and going to be playing against LeBron James in Zaire Williams and BJ Boston. So that's kind of crazy. He's playing against his own son's teammates yeah, in the NBA. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And could soon maybe even be playing against his own son? Uh, possibility. Uh, possibility. Let's wrap up the NBA draft segment with one second rounder that you think will have a great career. Who is your player? 38th pick to the Chicago Bulls, Ayo Desumi. Man. You took that, my guy. You took that, my guy. That guy, bro. The masked mamba. <laughs> he had a hell of a year with illinois and had a yeah, hell of a career overall with illinois but the dude is just a dog for me man i feel like even if he's not he obviously i don't believe he'll be a starter obviously for the bulls at this point in time but if he's able to have an nba career where he's just a solid overall guy and can c- come into a team and just play hard give you solid minutes and provide you with some sort of uh, facilitating playmaking and scoring capabilities, then he's going to have, I think, a great NBA career. Uh, and I, I, I don't see why he can't because the dude literally, wherever he seems to go, he has some sort of impact as far as in the win column. So, I mean, he brought Illinois from the ashes into prominence as far as them having a really big time uh, season last year. So I think that, the, the sky's the limit for this dude, I feel. And he could, as a second-round pick, I think he was a pretty good uh, second-round pick. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got Desuma as well, too. Average 20 points, six assists – or, sorry, six rebounds, five assists on a top-five team in the nation last year at Illinois. He's a great, great shooter. First-round talent, in my opinion, fell to the second round, and the Bulls hopped all over it since they didn't have a first-round pick, and I felt like they – Seemed like they had a first-round pick with getting this guy. And on top of that, they loaded up this offseason, like we mentioned before. So it, it playing time might be, you know, few here and there. But um, I think, he, yeah, sky's the limit for him. I think that was a great pick by the Bulls. Reminds me of a little bit of Reggie Jackson. Mm. I think Reggie Jackson, the you know, his uh, athleticism, the way he scores, uh, he's efficient, and the way he can take players off the dribble. All right, let's move on to the MLB before we wrap this show up. We talked about the trade deadline uh, last episode, but we didn't get the last day. And little did we know the last day would be absolute madness. Thought, you would have thought it was an NBA trade deadline. But <laughs> let's talk about the biggest, biggest trade that we may have seen at a trade deadline. And that is Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going from the Nationals to the Dodgers. The Dodgers sent over Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray, who were the number one and number two prospects in their system, which is, mind you, 
one of the best farm systems in the entire league. And then Gerardo Carrillo and Donovan Casey for two all-stars in Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, both who are having great, great seasons. Max Scherzer having one of the best seasons of his career and Trey Turner, who is on COVID IL right now. But once he returns that middle of the infield with Seager and Turner, (laughs) Dodgers are looking scary. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that they were able to get an ace, an ace pitcher for their top two prospects is just insane. And then the fact that, you know, they had to make this deal, I feel, because the pressure was coming because the rumors had it that the Padres were right there to get Max Scherzer. And that was, yeah, that was the, the initial report was that Max Scherzer was going to the Padres. Yeah, and the Dodgers just swooped in and said, no, sir. <laughs> we'll take Trey Turner as well, too. Yeah, so... Uh, the fact that they were able to do that, I think, helped them big time because the status of Trevor Bauer is still up in the air. We don't really know if he's even going to be returning this season, let alone for the, you know, we don't know what's going on with that. There's and a lot then, of rumors saying that Dodger clubhouse don't even want him back. Like, yeah, the so, so the fact that that his whole situation is up in the air, I think they definitely needed another pitcher. And, you know, why not go ahead and get an ace pitcher in Max Scherzer? Absolutely. And but it, this this is a has to be winner bust because you have Max Scherzer and Trey Turner both becoming free agents at the end of this year. So it's absolute winner bust. Uh, I, I think mean, that's Dodgers, I think, yeah, like, I was gonna say I think that's been the bust. yeah, that's been the Dodgers mentality for a good amount of time right now. But the fact that you gave your number one and number two prospect in your farm system for these two guys, and if it doesn't translate into a world series, oof, that may not look too good. But you know, I like the signing for these two guys. Max Scherzer will be making his first start against the Astros on Wednesday. So that should be a lot of fun. Moving on, we got the trio of the Chicago Cubs. I thought only two of them would be on the move, but I'm not surprised that all three of them were on the move. That is Chris Bryant to the Dodgers, Javi Baez to the Mets, and Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees. Chris Bryant to the Dodgers. Uh, the, to the Giants. Oh, sorry, to the Giants. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, I mean, wow, I'm, I'm just ahead of myself right now. <laughs> but, I mean, you saw that the Giants saw what the Dodgers did, and they had to, you know, play chess as well, too, and they got Chris Bryant, especially with Evan Longoria being injured. So they traded away their number nine and number 20 prospect in their farm system to get Chris Bryant. What were your thoughts on that trade? Uh, like you said, they kind of had to because, you know, in that in that division, it's pretty much if you if you don't make any sort of moves then you get you run the risk of not being and they're already leading in that division right now. But they don't want to run the risk of the Dodgers, you know, pimping them and, and stealing the division right from underneath them, because right now they're in prime position to go ahead and, and lock that thing down and go ahead and secure the NLS. But, you know, if they didn't make this move, I think, you know, they, you look at that lineup that, you know, is kind of suffering offensively and they got a guy in Chris Bryant who, you know, might, you know, strike out here and there. But when it comes to power, he'll give you a little kick in that bat. So best believe. And he homered on his first appearance as a giant. So and I was going to say all three of these guys have homered already for their <laughs> new teams. Exactly. Uh, Javi Baez to the Mets. The Mets gave up the 19th pick in last year's draft and is a top five Mets uh, prospect in the Mets system, and that is Pete Crow Armstrong. I mean, Lindor's injured right now, but when he comes back, that Lindor Baez middle <laughs> of the infield. Woo! That's going to be saucy for sure. I can't wait to see all the web gems that they're going to be pulling out. No, absolutely. You know those two guys are buddies too, so that's, that should be a lot of fun. 
And then Anthony Rizzo to the Yankees for the Yankees number nine and number 12 prospect in their farm system. And he's been breaking for the Yankees already. He's hit home runs in his first two appearances as a Yankee. So Anthony Rizzo, because with uh, Luke Voigt being on IL right now, it's going to be a big question mark to see where what's going to happen with Luke Voigt. Um you know, with Anthony Rizzo now here and popping off as he is. So yeah, Yankees made a lot of moves this off or this trade deadline. So maybe they're making noise. They're trying to compete still. Yeah. They're not giving up on that division at all. And why would you at this point? I mean, this, this feels again, like every year again for the Yankees and Dodgers is winter bust, but at the, you know, with the Red Sox having such a good year, I think that definitely motivated them to be like, yo, we just can't concede this season away when we were expected to be a contender and not just a contender, we were expected to be the one of, if not the favorites to win the world series this year. We can't allow our rivals to just smoke us out like this. So they had to go ahead and make some moves and they made some big time moves. But I think, you know, we talk about the teams that these guys got traded to, but the team that they got traded from, I mean, damn, like end of an era in Chicago with the Cubs and it's literally like feels like it's been such a long time ago, but it's barely almost over five years ago, Kush, that they won the yeah. World Series there. It's crazy how they just pressed the rebuild button and just unloaded all of their guys. And to see all of their guys hitting home runs as well now clearly shows that they still got juice left in the tank as well, too. So as a Cubs fan, you got to be scratching your head, but it is what it is. But we talk about the NL East, or sorry, the NL West, being one of the most competitive divisions this year but how about the american league east you got tampa bay at the top you got boston a game behind them and then new york six games behind them and toronto seven games behind them that is that is crazy because you have boston holding the first wild card spot and then you have uh the yankees two games behind the second wild card spot and toronto only three games behind the second all or wild card spot so that division race is going to be insane coming down the stretch last i know we, we just talked about the cubs but they were not done yet they decided to move craig kimbrell to the white Sox cross town uh they traded nick or the white Sox traded nick madrigal who was my rookie of the year prediction but got injured torn hamstring and then cody here a solid reliever with four years of team control after this year so hefty price to get craig kimbrell guy who is making 16 million dollars this year and has a 16 dollar 60 million dollar team option next year so i mean you look at this white Sox bullpen i believe i had him in the world series i had him losing to the braves i believe but i didn't mm-hmm. know the braves would be so injured but <laughs> I, I was when we were given our prediction on the show i was the only one that had the white Sox in the in the uh, World Series, and you look at their bullpen, they might have one of the best, if not the best, bullpen in the league. You talk about Liam Hendricks, Craig Kimbrell, Kopech, uh, the, the list goes on and on with this team. They got Tapera as well, too, so this team is stacked. And then we got Jose Barrios going to the Blue Jays. Uh, he was on the move get to get him for a year and a half, but boy, did it cost a lot to get him. Two top 100 prospects in the MLB pipeline, the number two and number four in the Blue Jays, uh, you know, uh, farm system. And Austin Martin, who was the fifth pick last year, he was <laughs> on the move. And then Simeon Woods, Richard was on the move as well too. So the Blue Jays definitely ne- knew that they needed to address pitching, and they did just that getting Jose Barrios. 
Last but not least, we had Kyle Schwarber going from the Nationals to the Red Sox. The Red Sox sent the number 19 prospect in MLB pipeline to the Nationals. And we saw Schwarber, the hottest hitter in June, looking <laughs> like Barry Bonds over there. So the the Boston Red Sox just getting more firepower for that lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, when you look at the fact that they already have – a really good lineup and they add a guy in Kyle Schwarber. Uh, that's going to be a tough, tough, tough get for them as far as going into uh, the playoff push that they're going to be making. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the nosebleeds. Very long episode. If y'all made it here to this point of the episode, shout us out on uh, our social medias on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K N O W S bleeds on Instagram, the nosebleeds and on Facebook, look up the nosebleeds podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple podcast, shoot us a five-star rating. If you like what you heard and write us a review, if you're feeling generous, but we got a lot of NBA still to go, even though it's the off season, MLB's coming down to the wire. NFL is about to start up. Training camp is in full swing already. So we got a lot of sports going on right now. Corey, any last words and thoughts? Bro, like you just said, like we got a lot to talk about, a lot going on. I'm excited to see what goes on. Uh, is anybody going to pull a DeAndre Jordan this year and just <laughs> renege on their agreement? <laughs> but but nah, um, I'm just excited to see what takes place the rest of this NBA offseason and going into the preseason of the NFL. Already got tons of storylines with that and tons of things going on with that. So, I mean, y'all stay tuned and just can't wait to get to talking about NFL football, man. You know, fall is right around the corner, man. Great. I'm so excited to talk about NFL because a lot of stuff a lot of drama in the NFL as well too but other than that we will catch y'all next time deuces